At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Welcome to the Bass Kayak and Beer segment on the Paddle and Pin Network. It's your host, Armando Solan, and on this segment, we kick back with a special guest and talk about life, kayak fishing, and the pursuit of big bass. So get your cold brews on and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beer segment on the Paddle and Pin Network. As always, it's your boy Armando, your host for the day. Uh, before we get started, as always, thanks to Douglas Rods for sponsoring this segment. Uh, go check out Douglas Rods at douglasoutdoors.com. Check out the full lineup of LRS Rods and X-Matrix Rods. They also have a war-winning fly fishing rods if you're into that. So go check them out. Huge thanks to them. So special guest for today, somebody that I've been wanting to get on my show, but his calendar is full and it doesn't think to get any better in 2020. Yeah. He just posted his new schedule and it's packed full of tournaments. I don't know how this man is going to live with all this racking up the, the miles. But with, no, for, with uh, no further delay here, we got Jake Harshman. Jake, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you on my show, man. Uh, like I said, I've been wanting to get you on my show for a longest time. I knew you're a very charismatic guy, uh, not just a great angler. You also do uh, some social media, which I find it's really cool. And I uh, uh, heard some of your interviews with uh, Josh Smith and Doc Waters and other podcasts. And I love that was, I love uh, your charisma and the way you go about, you know. Charismatic uh, is one way to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I cracked up when you were talking about how um, Big fat lips, uh, big big fat bass with uh, like leggings on. I don't. I can't. Even, I can't do it. I, I'm not as funny as you are. I'm not. I don't have that charisma. But I was cracking up. 
girls wearing yoga pants. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> I was driving. I was listening while I was driving to a rap, but I almost drove up. Man, that was hilarious. <laughs> I could not stop laughing. So, Jake, man, uh, again, thank you for coming in. Uh, let's dive a little bit into, for those that don't know you, what um, what do you do other than kayak fish, you know, uh, and ultimately, how do you got into kayak fishing? So, um, I'm... I work full time as a as a federal police officer. Um, nice. I'm, I live in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Thank you for your service, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, live in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and uh, before that, I spent uh, twelve, fourteen, twelve years in the military. Um, I had to think about that for a second. I was active duty Air <laughs> Force as, as an MP for, or we call it security forces, but everyone would commonly know it as military police. Um, did that for 12 years before I got out, um, and picked up a civilian job as a cop. And then it wasn't until I really got out of the military that I started kayak fishing. I started kayak fishing in late 2017, um, which is honestly in all reality, it's when I really started seriously bass fishing as well. Uh, prior to that, like I grew up as a kid fishing mountain streams and rivers for trout and, and if we caught a bass, it was like, oh, that's stupid, throw back. <laughs> um, you know, but it was, you know, that 2017 is when I caught that bass bug, I guess. Like, I, you know, went out and bought my first kayak, and after that, it's been, oh, gosh. It's a lot of time and a lot of money spent since then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I bet. But. What was your first kayak? Um, my first kayak was an Ascend, oh, yeah. FS12. I did not have it very long. Um, I realized quickly that that was not the boat for me, and yep. um, I moved on to an Old Town Predator PDL, which I ended up having two or three of those. Um, after I bought my first one, later that year I was or no, the next year I was selected to to join the Old Town Pro Staff, and then I got a new PDL, and I also bought a Predator 13 that was the non-pedal version, and I put a, a Torquedo motor on the back of that. And um, just this year I got I had gotten one of the new Sportsman uh, Big Water PDLs, the 132. Nice. Um, but since then I've moved on from Old Town, so... Really? Um, yeah, I did. Uh, we could talk about it if you want. <laughs> sure. No, go ahead, man. It's floor's yours. Yeah. So I, I, I was really excited to be on the Old Town team. I love the Old Town Predator PDL, um, but there was a there was a conflict between me and some folks at Old Town about the new boat that they came out with, the autopilot. Um, I'm not a fan of that boat. And uh, they they basically wanted me to fish out of that boat, and I told them that I wasn't going to fish out of that boat. Um, part of that was because I have such a strong relationship with Jeff Little and, and Torquedo mm-hmm. um, that I, I just believe that that's a better motor system for propulsion. Um, and, you know, I expressed that to them and told them some of my issues that I had with the new boat design and, and that I just didn't think it was on an efficient hull. They, you know, they chose the topwater hull versus the predator hull. The predator hull was a, a much more efficient hull. Um, and, you know, I explained that to them and 
it ultimately led to them adjusting the pro staff agreement, the contract saying that you couldn't use a competitor's product. Um, I had already at this point had been on the Torquedo pro staff and I wasn't going to ruin that relationship. So I, I chose to step away from, from old town. Um, and now I have a Hobie PA 12360. Nice. Um, I'm not even sure if that's going to be the boat that I'm in next year. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I, I honestly, I, I love, loved my, my PDL and I still have it. Um, I don't see myself going back into it, but, um, you know, it's the PA 12 might not be the right size boat for me. I might need something bigger. So it might be a PA 14, 360, or, um, I'll tell you one boat that I absolutely loved after I saw it in action this year on the Susquehanna River was that, oh that I-11S. Oh, nice, yeah. So that boat, you can pedal it in less than a foot of water. Like, <clears throat> I was, I think I was in like a little over a half a foot of water and getting a full pedal stroke because it's got the short, stubby turbo fins on it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I was in less than a foot of water getting a full pedal stroke out of that boat. And I live on the Susquehanna River, which is a shallow, rocky environment with a a, a lot of, you know, there's just a lot going on with it. Yeah. Um, that You know, it, it can eat some pedal drives up. Um, you know, that, that boat might be, you know, if I'm able to find one and get into one, that might, that might be my new river boat, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's a solid platform. So, but I don't know. I mean, that's, that's all for, we gotta, we gotta see if there's going to be even boats available to buy in 2021. Yeah. Especially with Hobie, man. (laughs) They've been hit the hardest, I think. I think every, every company so far this year has been just devastated as far as like, you know, not so much devastated. I shouldn't use that word. They've just been sold out. They can't make enough boats to supply the demand. Um, and fortunately, you know, fortunately enough for us, the consumer, the boat prices haven't skyrocketed more than yeah. they already are. Because if I was, I mean, if I owned a business that had kayaks that were in high demand, I would increase the prices. Yeah. It's supply and demand. It's, it's, it's American business. That's how it works. But yep. you know, fortunately enough, we're not in that position yet. So let's, let's hope that that stays the same. But yeah. Um, you know, 2021 is looking, it's shaping up to be an exciting year as long as we can have tournaments. Yeah. You know, the schedules that I've seen released so far have been, you know, overwhelmingly awesome, especially the Hobie schedule. I know I'm kind of biased to it, but um, they've got some fantastic fisheries on that schedule for 2021. Uh, I think I decided that I was going to fish uh, seven or eight of them. Um, I can look at that real quick. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, possibly eight Hobie events if I qualify for the Tournament of Champions. And oh, that's, wow. yeah. that's out of, you know, there's 10 regular season events next year and there's the Tournament of Champions. So out of 11, you know, I'm looking at eight. That's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of travel, so. But they're all really great fisheries, you know, and they're places that I want to go. So, um, and I fortunately have a have a pretty awesome work schedule where I can I work like every other weekend. Um, I work, you know, I don't only work every other weekend, but um, 
you know, I have a three day weekend every other weekend. So I'm able to kind of, you know, fluctuate that, switch it around, maybe take some days and, or maybe work some days in place of some others. So, um, it should be a fun year though. Yeah. I was just looking, you posted the schedule on your stories and I was just looking at it, um, before we interview and man, July and August for you is going to be, yeah. So it's going to be mayhem. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, I, I looked at that too. It's mostly in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Before before I, before I made it, like, I literally sat down and I looked at it. So, um, I have to go back to Lake Seminole in February. I, I can't miss that. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to, to win that event last year. Um, I have to go back to try to defend that, you know? Yeah. Um, and then uh, Watts Bar Lake in Tennessee at the end of February, that, I don't know if people know about Watts Bar because it's not one of those lakes on the Tennessee River chain that's that's often talked about like Chickamauga and Gunnersville. But Watts Bar is I mean there are some trophy fish in that lake. Um I believe they've been stocking it with some Florida, Florida strain largemouth. Like that that event could be big. Like in both terms of big fish as well as, you know, big limits like that could be a, a really, really cool deal down there. Um, Lake Hartwell, I mean, Hartwell's, you know, it's it's got them big, uh, oh, what the hell, uh, what are they called, the the bait fish? Um, Shiner, Shad? It's not, it's not the, it's not the Shiners. I, I forget the name of them off the top of my head, but I, they have a specific type of bait fish down there that, uh, that are just pretty big, so the bass get pretty, you know, obviously get pretty big down there. Um, Hartwell was on there. And then, then I, I have a local event, uh, here in the Pennsylvania Bass Nation on June 19th. Mm-hmm. There's a lake we have that borders, it's on the border of Pennsylvania and Ohio called, called Pima Tuning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some big fish in that lake. It's a, it's a, it's a decent sized lake in the state. And there's also some, some really big quality fish in there. That one should be a really fun event. Um, and then as we get into the summer, you know, we're, we're going up here to the finally going to the Northeast. Everybody in the Northeast that's been <laughs> that Hobie hasn't came there. Well, we're going to New York. And Champlain, yep. Champlain is going to be on fire that time of year. Like, you could catch fish on beds. You could catch fish post-spawn, pre-spawn. Um, you know, you could catch smallmouth. You could catch largemouth. Like, you can catch almost... Any any way you want to fish, any way you're comfortable fishing, I feel like you can fish Lake Champlain. You know, whether it's shallow, whether it's deep, whether it's fishing for largemouth, fishing for smallmouth, that you you have it at Champlain. Um, so that should be really fun and exciting. And then uh, I have a local event here on the Susquehanna River on a stretch that I've actually never fished. Um, so that, that should be a cool learning experience. And then the Hobie Bass Open Series comes back to the Susquehanna in late July. Um, and there might be some changes to that tentative schedule with the Mid-Atlantic Kayak Bass Fishing Organization. They have not released their schedule yet. Um, and I'm, I'm really kind of partial to them because even though I live in PA, the MAKBF is based really out of Maryland, but they're really kind of closer to me than, than most of the stuff in PA is. Uh, so, you know, there's a probably a really solid chance that if there's conflicts and dates that I, that I would opt for the MAKBF. 
Um, but there's also for the Hobie BOS series going back to the Mississippi River and Lacrosse. Yep. Uh, that fishery is it's it's amazing. Like I've never, you know, I was up there last year for the BOS series, and I think each day of the tournament I caught like 50 fish. I mean, it, it's there's just so many fish up there. It's it's a really good time. Um, and then we end out the season in the Hobie series down at Lake Pickwick on the Tennessee River, which I think that's going to be dominated by smallmouth. I think that's going to be a, a big-time smallmouth tournament. And then um, whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. October, we have the PA Bass Nation. If I qualify for that championship, it'll be right here in my home water. And then, uh, if I hopefully, if I qualify going to uh, the Hobie Tournament of Champions on Lake Eufaula, Alabama, to play with alligators. So, <laughs> um, you know, there's some there's there's some gators down there in Alabama. So I see my, yeah. my, my buddy Jim Clark's always catching them on frogs and playing with them, and I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? Put those things back in the water, dude. Yeah, I imagine that wouldn't be fun to catch. It's. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. Like I, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know. I mean, how do you take one of those off the hook? Like <laughs> you, I, I assume you don't. You just got your losses. It's well, like, I mean, man, if it's like a fifteen dollar frog, I'm really yeah, not yeah. giving it up. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I got it, and you bring it up. You only have like two fingers left. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you're I, holding it with your two fingers left. I got it. <laughs> I got my frog back. That's all. <laughs> Like, how many fingers do I need to hold a rod? Like, you know, one or two? I don't know. That's a that's a good point. <laughs> My thumb and, like, one or two. Yeah, you, you need the thumb then. You know, you kind of have at least the opposing right. thumb. <laughs> so, so you, I, I'm kind of disappointed in the sense that I know it's a lot further for you, but none of the trails that are coming, uh, Hobie Bios, that are coming near Texas, you're going to be on it. You're not going to be in the ones in Oklahoma or Louisiana or – so, or uh, Texas in Houston. Yeah, so they, they have the one in Dardanelle in Arkansas, mm -hmm. and they have the one in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and yep. then they have the one in Rayburn. Rayburn, Rayburn is up in the air. Um, I, I have not decided on Rayburn yet. Um, it's 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 like a 16, 17-hour drive for me. So yeah. if, if I go to Rayburn, it's – I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm going to that one yet. I want to. Um you know, I think it. I think it would be fun, but I just I, I didn't put it on there because it's it's really, you know, fifty fifty whether or not I'm going. So I don't want to sit there and commit to it, and 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 then not go. Um, if I go, it's gonna probably be like I'll know like a week or two in advance yeah. if I get wild hair at my ass to go fish Rayburn. I don't know. Um, yeah, and your schedule is busy as it is. Yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of travel, and and the thing is, like, I'm off that weekend for Rayburn, but even though I'm off that weekend, I would still have to take vacation time from work on the front and back end Yeah. Um, just for travel, and that's where my problem comes. Like, I don't have to take vacation days to fish it, but I have to take vacation days to travel for it, 
you know, maybe if I could fly, that would be different. But if I, you know, if I fly, then I'm going to have to borrow a boat and then you have to worry about your rods making it with you and your tackle and all that other stuff. I don't know. I, I don't like having all those, uh, uncontrollable, you know, yeah. things. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know. I, I want to fish Rayburn, but it's, it's not as high up on priority as the rest of those events are. No, and again, with with the travel and being so far away, and I said uh, Louisiana, I made Arkansas, I'm sorry, but yeah, we do have Arkansas, um, Oklahoma, and um, and, uh, and not Dallas, and Cyborg, but down by Houston. I thought Hobie had one in Louisiana, but I guess I was wrong. Um, no, but, not this year, I don't think. No, I don't think. I might have confused it with something else. But um, anyways, yeah, that's, it's, that's a big travel, and uh, yeah, 17 hours is not easy, and like you said, you know, vacation, going in, going out, and um, and plus everything you do, and that, and yourself, you had that, you have the the whole, like the whole, pretty much every month. I think April and March, you're not fishing, right? You gonna yeah. jump from February to May? Um, as as it stands right now, unless unless the MAKBF releases something in those months, um, I probably won't be fishing any tournaments those months. But I'm actually okay with that. Um, because Pennsylvania, our primary our primary time for the spawn up here is that April March April time frame. Um, you know, you can catch some really nice bass here in March and April, and you know, I'm I'm okay with staying home and and fishing for some for some jaints here at home, yep. you know, rather than go and try and find somewhere else. You know, fortunately enough. One thing I like about the way that Hobie has done their schedule and a lot of places do it this way is, you know, they, they, they kind of follow the spawn up yeah. the coast, if you will. You know, like we're starting out in February in Georgia on the tenant on the, on the Georgia Florida line. Those fish should be primarily pre spawn, um, maybe actively spawning. And then, you know, as they, as they go up a little higher in February, they're definitely going to be pre spawn at Watts Bar. Um, I wouldn't assume that any of those fish are going to be in the spawning stages there. Um, but, you know, as you go up, as you get higher north, you know, it, it just kind of, you, you kind of follow the spawn. Even at Champlain in June, like it is not side, outside the realm of possibility in June that you catch bedding fish in New York. Um, so, you know, they, they spawn a lot later up there. Um, the Susquehanna, one thing I do like about what they did, with the Susquehanna River event is that when primarily when all the lakes are post spawn and those fish are kind of in a funk or they go out deeper where they might be a little harder to catch, the rivers really turn on. You know, you'll have a topwater bite, a phenomenal topwater bite, June through basically the end of October here in the Susquehanna River. You know, and it's all shallow water. You know, it you could really and you catch some good quality fish out of it too. Like it's it, you know, the way they did their events and, and thought it out was, was really kind of awesome. Um, they made it, you know, as, as most, uh, the biggest, the most opportunity for you to catch good fish everywhere that they're going. Rayburn might be kind of an outside deal there because it's June in, in Texas. But, I mean, I think June in Texas, it doesn't matter. Even post-spawn Texas fish are still big fish. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know. And but, June shouldn't be that hot. Like June, a lot of people think, oh, some, actually July and August when it gets really hot here. So June I, shouldn't be that bad. 
I was stationed in Texas for a little bit, and there's oh, yeah. there's sometimes there's sometimes of the year it's like, why would you even want to live here? But <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's crazy, man. It's uh, it it can get hot in a heartbeat. It's just great, and I imagine it's like that in most places. But there's something about, uh, especially on spring here, that's just some totally unpredictable. Even now, like right now, we we haven't got really fall weather yet. Like we're like we're still in the well, you know, this week has gone down. I think next week is when we really start hitting fall weather. You know, in the low 60s, um, high 50s. But so far, it's just been mid to upper 70s. So yeah. last night at work, I saw 21 degrees. <laughs> yeah, not definitely like that. <laughs> definitely, it's uh, it should be interesting, man. And of course, we wish you the best on all of your tournaments. Which one? I know you mentioned like Seminole. You want to defend your win there. Any other that you feel comfortable? I'm assuming the Susquehanna. Anything the Susquehanna River? You're gonna feel comfortable taking it home the W. But um, which ones are you marking on your calendar? Obviously, other than the national championship and the tournament of champions. So, I mean, you know, you talked about Seminole, you talked about Susquehanna, so we can leave those two out. I think the one, to me, that's the most appealing is is probably a toss-up between Champlain and La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, there's something about that fishery out there in Wisconsin that, I mean, there's just so many good fish, quality fish out there. They're river fish, they're strong, um, they're angry, they're hateful, they just they want to, you know, they they just want to eat and and that that was a lot of fun to fish out there. Um, Champlain, I mean Champlain is the the nice thing. They're the most appealing thing to me about Champlain is that you can literally catch them wherever you want. Excuse me, um, a little hiccup there. Um, you can catch them anywhere you want, you know. And and there's a lot of good fish in Champlain. I mean, you watch the Bassmaster series. And you watch some of the fish that they're pulling out of Champlain. I think fighter, uh, Seth Fighter pulled like a seven pounder out of there last year, largemouth. And then there's guys out catching five and six pound smallmouth too. So, you know, it's <laughs> like, it's just an incredible fishery. Um, I, I, you know, I really think Hobie hit that one out of the park with that, that choice for the Northeast. Um, you know, that's going to be a lot of, that's going to be a fun time up there. Um, but locally, I would say, I mean, on the national stage, it's those two. But locally, I really hope that uh, that the MAKBF goes back to the Upper Chesapeake Bay. Um, that fishery is, I love it, man. I love that fishery. Like, that fishery is so special. There's so many big fish on the Upper Bay. And you can catch smallmouth down there, too, if you get close to the mouth of the Susquehanna. But... Um, there's some really good quality largemouth on the upper bay. So that that's that I think those are the ones that I'm looking forward to the most. I always look forward to anything on the upper Chesapeake Bay though. If you talk to anybody, I love that fishery. And and that's even like it's tidal water, so you can go out there one day and catch a bad tide and get skunked, and the next day you can go out and catch a good tide and catch twenty pounds. So it's like, you know, it's a really yeah. good. It's a really cool fishery. So. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, that's. I've never fished on like tidal tidal water, but I know like when we look at California, like every time they got of California, it seems like 
Every the Hobie BOS, even Hobie BOS last year. Um, and by the way, they're not going back there this year, and and, and I can see why. Because last year, I think they only had like, like very few anglers showed up. Yeah. But even the top ten were just all Californians and Ross Snyder, which is, you know, but I mean, in born way, in California, yeah, anyways. He's, he's a California. Yeah, he's a California. He doesn't live there, but you know, cutting his teeth fishing out there. Yeah. So um, it's like. Yeah, like you said, it's tidal water. So it's like if if unless you're from there, you really. I mean, like the only one that I can remember it wasn't Hobie BS, It was maybe KBF. Um, there was another that uh, an event there like week or two weeks prior, and I think the only one that cracked the top ten was Cody Milton. Um, so that was not from California. So it's you know it's one of those things if if. If you're not used to that tidal water and all that, the, the dynamics of it can change like in a heartbeat. I mean, I think the big thing with tidal water fishing is that you can get incredibly discouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you go out and you're fishing a tidal fishery, there may only be a one to two hour period of your eight hour tournament day that you can reasonably expect to catch fish. Because when the tides, if the tide's not moving the way you need it to, those fish will get really, really, really tight-lipped. Um, so, you know, tidal water fishing can be difficult mentally. But in that one- to two-hour time period, if you are not making the most of, of the opportunities presented to you and you're not in the right position, um, you know, that, that's where people fail on tidal water. Tidal water fishing really is easy because when the tide's moving, they're going to eat. But if you don't make the right decisions to put yourself in the best situation when yep. it's time for them to eat, then you're not going to do well on tidal water. And a lot of times that's really hard to do in a kayak because you don't, yep. you know, you have limited mobility, you have limited range. Um, you know, it's not like you're in a bass boat and you're like, okay, well, the tide should be moving down here. Let me make a, 30 minute run going 70 miles an hour. No, you don't have that luxury. Like you have to, you really have to do a lot of mental pregame homework when you're going to fish a tidal, uh, you know, a water body of water. That's a tidal water fishery. Um, and then, like I said, whenever it comes time, when those tides are, are moving at their most optimum time, you better make the most of it. Cause if not, that time's going to go, it's going to come and go. And you're going to be looking at your zeros talking about, Tidal water fishing stupid, but somebody's going to have 95 inches and be like, no, tidal water fishing is awesome. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Tidal water fishing is fun. And for me, it's fun. You got to take the good with the bad, though. Yeah. It's it's fun if you're used to it and you know what you're doing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> More I than mean, anything. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of books and stuff written about tidal water fishing. Uh, I think one, one person uh, that I like to watch for tidal water stuff is uh, um, Smallmouth Crush. He does a lot of guiding yep. stuff on the upper Chesapeake Bay and, and does a lot of tournaments on tidal water. Um, he has a, a – I don't want to call him a co-host, but he has a great friend named uh, – his name's Epic Eric. Um, that dude – fishes on the Potomac all the time and the Potomac's another tidal water fishery. Like I've learned an incredible amount from those two, um, you know, YouTube learning really about tidal yeah. water fishing. Um, Ike and Ellie's another one. He knows a yeah. lot about tidal water fishing, the Delaware river, the, the upper Bay, the Potomac, like that's all kind of in his wheelhouse being from New Jersey. 
Um, you know, it's uh, it's fun though. I, I will say that, like you, you know, in, in the tidal water fisheries that we have, we also have this a fish species called it's an invasive species called northern snakehead. Oh yeah. Oh my god, dude. You want to talk? Listen, go get yourself a box of, of dollar <laughs> Walmart and just go out there and just get ready, dude. Um, they those those things are they are vicious. Yeah, some of the most epic top water blow ups I've ever seen in my entire life, dude. They are just vicious, um, fun, really fun to catch, and they taste amazing. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah, they're actually they're considered like a delicacy. I know people that will go out. There's people that go out bow fishing for them, and 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 just commercial fishermen that go out fishing for them, and they'll sell those things to restaurants for high dollar, like really high dollar. Um, you know, they're they're really really tasty fish. They're better than a walleye, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, walleye is kind of one of the top. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know sought after free, uh, game fish to eat, you know, to actually eat. That's, that's pretty cool. I haven't, I haven't gotten snake fishing. I've seen a bunch of videos and yeah, they look like, man, well, they have a nasty attitude. Those things are no <laughs> joke. It's kind of like a, I don't know, like a pike on steroids or something. So the way, the way I have always described snakehead is that you have the anger of a pike Mm-hmm. Um, you have the, 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 uh, hunger really of, of a small mouth and, and then they, they fight and roll like a mixture between like a muskie and a catfish. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's, you know, if, <laughs> if bass didn't exist and they had snakehead tournaments, no one would ever want to fish for bash bass. <laughs> like these things are just absolutely insane. Um, and dude, they got, dude, they got some teeth in them too. Yeah. They are, they are some, and, and they can live out of water. Like it's illegal. Um, in most of the States here, uh, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Maryland places, Virginia, like places over here that have them. It's illegal to possess a live one. Because because they're invasive, um, mm-hmm. you know they can live out of water, and you can put them in a live well and leave them in there for a day and come out and, and they'll still be flopping. Um, you know they they have they they're 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 really hard to kill. Like if you want to keep one, <laughs> I gotta tell you. So I was fishing a, a a tournament on the Potomac last year, and I watched a guy catch a snakehead. He was in in a, in a glitter boat. And he catches a snakehead, and he doesn't want to pull it into the carpet because they're slimy, and they'll make a mess, and they thrash a lot. Like when you, you know, when you get, if you catch a snakehead and you're in a kayak, make sure your shit is strapped down <laughs> because that thing is going to lose its shit inside the net, and, and you may lose rods. You might lose anything that's not tied down. You're, it's gone. Um, they will get very feisty, so... Um, but you know, he didn't want to bring it in the boat. So he's, he has it laying like hanging over the side of his boat and he's got this little metal ball bat and he's like beating the shit out of this thing's head and it's not dying. And every time, I mean, it's really inhumane when you thoroughly think about it, but every time that, um, 
like, or not every time, but he missed, like, a couple times. He <laughs> just dented his boat. <laughs> yeah, all you heard was him hitting the side of his boat, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, this guy's over here just destroying his shit trying to kill this snakehead. Um, but, I mean, yeah, they like, he probably hit that thing five times before it finally stopped, you know, doing snakehead things. Like, it was, they're, they're vicious, man. They're absolutely vicious. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be fun. I've seen, I, oh, there's one YouTuber, Boomerang Man, I forgot his name, I, I can't remember, um, that he, he loves catching those, and he posted, uh, he posts on Instagram every time he catches one, and, it, and videos, and those things are just massive added to problems, man, <laughs> but they seem fun to catch. I wouldn't want them in Texas if they're invasive species, but it definitely goes, I don't know, if it's on that area in the East Coast where they have them, I'll check it out. So, so they're invasive. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, Check out MidwayUSA.com. And everyone talks really badly about them, but if you look at the bass populations on the Upper Chesapeake Bay and the Potomac, um, since the introduction of Northern Snakehead, the bass populations have done nothing but gotten better. Oh, that's good then. And 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 honestly, I I think uh, <laughs> so. I think they're kind of more help than they are harm. And and the reason I say that is just based on fishing a lot for bass during the spawn um, on these fisheries, you don't you don't often catch snakehead where bass are spawning at, mm. so they're not really affecting the fry and, and all that kind of stuff. But you you more often catch snakehead in the staging points before where you get to where the bass are spawning, mm. and the reason being. Is because they're eating the predator, the predator fish that are coming in to disrupt, like the nest raiders, you know, bluegill, perch, um, stuff like that. You know, they'll sit back and wait for these schools of, of bait fish to come through and just annihilate those. Um, that, in my mind, it helps the bass. It helps the bass with yeah. their spawning. And you know, snakehead, they they um, reproduce in very effective and high numbers, but in, in their infancy, they don't, they don't have a solid bone structure. So they're actually really easy for bass to eat when, when snakeheads are, are very little. Bass can eat those things and digest them really quickly and easily because of the fact that they, they have very, you know, not a very strong bone structure. Um, once they become an adult, I don't think there's going to yeah. be any bass that eats one. But, you know, as long as they're controlled in their population and stuff like that, and people, you know, there is no limit. You can keep as many as you want. You can go out and catch as many as you want. I think as long as they keep those things in place and no agency comes through and says, well, we need to protect them, um, <laughs> I, I think that they're, you know, they're going to continue doing good for the bass populations. And I don't mind them being there, honestly. I really don't. I think they're a good thing. Yeah, it's kind of like they – I guess what you're saying is they they eat whatever is preying on the bass prey, 
but and it's and you think okay well that's bass food too you know but they're substituting that with their own fray which is bass food so they don't eat bass um fray but the bass can eat their fray kind of thing so, so I, I don't, it works out yeah yeah i don't i don't think snakeheads are eating bass in in high numbers maybe in their smaller stages they're yeah. eating bass but i wouldn't say that they're eating any more bass than bass are eating yeah uh, because bass will eat smaller bass, you know, so, um, you know, it's it's one of those things. Now, like, I say that about this invasive species, about northern northern snakehead, but I'm completely opposite on another invasive species that's, that's you know, affecting my river right now, which is the flathead catfish. Oh, yeah. Flathead catfish have made their way up into the Susquehanna River, and I'm catching 16, 17-inch smallmouth, with bite marks along their body because a 30 or 40 pound flathead tried to eat it. Um, you know, those fish are, they'll eat, they're like vacuum cleaners. They'll eat anything, anything that gets in their way, they'll eat it. And they have done a significant number, uh, you know, damage on, on the smallmouth population here in this river. Um, you know, we have, we have problems just like everywhere else has as far as pollution and flooding and whatnot. But the the introduction of flathead catfish has it's been a detriment to the to the trophy smallmouth population on this on this river system. Um, you know the Susquehanna River's been known for a very long time for having like great lake sized smallmouth in a, in a river, and we still do. The numbers aren't there, and the size isn't there either because the older fish are dying off. And unfortunately, the the younger fish now have a, a different competitor that they have to deal with, and that being the flatheads. There was they just caught um, last year. They caught a state record flathead out of the Susquehanna, just a little bit south of me, fifty five pounds. Jeez. I mean, that fish is going to eat any fish in this river. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. there's, there's nothing that that fish is not going to be able to eat in this river. Um, and they, they don't have any problem trying to eat anything that comes across their path. And they, you know, aside from eating smallmouth, they, they also have done a significant number on the bait fish population too. So, um, you know, invasive species, unfortunately it's a, it's a broad term, but not all of them are bad. Some of them are, but not all of them are. And I don't think Northern snakehead are that bad. So that's a good point. I'm not a biologist. So, yeah. (laughs) Not like Kentucky with all the Asian carp thing. That that's a mess over there. Yeah, I feel so bad. I mean, I I never got to experience Kentucky Lake in its heyday, but um, after being there this year and hearing about how it's been in years past, I can see how people are upset. Um, you know, those and plus those Asian carp are dangerous, man. Yeah, like they they straight they just jump up out of the water. <laughs> I, I saw the video of Christine Fisher got almost hit by one yeah. this year, scared the crap out of her. Yeah, like you know, if you're if you're rolling around, if you're just rolling down the the lake, and, and next thing you know, you scare one, and it just jumps, and you're like, holy crap! And and what what ha- and I think that's what happens. Like they get scared from like boat wash or or just something above them scares them, and then it just makes them like involuntarily jump. I, yeah, they're they're they could. I mean, if you're fishing out of a kayak, dude, they could. <laughs> what yeah, you got, pounds? you got. I don't know how much they weigh or how big they can get, but let's say seven or eight pound. 
hitting you, smack in the face, going to knock right. your lights out for a second. <laughs> it's, or, you know, <laughs> it might knock you out of your kayak if yeah. you're not paying attention. Like, who knows? Yeah. It, it, those things are they're, they're wild, though, man. Wild. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Kentucky used to be legendary. Now it's, uh, yeah. like you said, it's it's a mess over there. They're trying their best, but, I mean, once – once you get to that numbers, it's just crazy. Uh, it's yeah. hard to, to keep it under control when it gets out of hand. So, Jake, uh, this year, how was – let's do kind of like a year in review. What uh, what do you liked about this year, you know, with all the – I know COVID, corona, whatever you want to call it, just uh, threw a wrench in everybody's plan. But thankfully, kayak fishing survived and is thriving. But needless to say, it did affect – a lot of people's travel plans for some of the tournaments yeah. being canceled, postponed. So, how aside from that, I don't want to give COVID too much credit as it already is. But aside from that, how was your year? What did you like the most? What did you felt you struggled with the most? So, at the beginning of this this year, I I made a list of goals, and I'm a I'm a list maker myself. Um, I made a list of goals, and at the top of that list, it said that I wanted to fish better on a national stage. Because I had done well on a local stage, and I had not done well on a national stage. So I devoted a lot of time and effort into fishing better on a national stage. And then the first tournament of the year on a national stage at Seminole, I won. And from that point, it was like, oh. You belong. Right. Like, I, I, I achieved that goal. Now what? You know what I mean? <laughs> I peaked um, too early. <laughs> Right. It was like there's no lead up to it. It was just like, boom, it happened. And, you know, after that, I really kind of focused on on making a run at the Angler of the Year for for Hobie. And, you know, I'm just (laughs) I wasn't as good as, you know, as as nine or ten other guys, but um, and girls. But, um, you know, I had a pretty consistent year. I had a lot of consistent finishes. Um, I did make a couple bad mistakes throughout the year, but I, I forgot them quick. Um, Lake Norman was one of those. I didn't, I didn't go with my gut and I fished it, what I shouldn't have been fishing. Um, the Susquehanna, I had a, you know, had a slight medical issue that affected me on day one. And then day two, I just made a bad judgment call. Um, and you know, but other than that, I think I finished at Kentucky Lake. I was, I was low 30s, but I was sitting in fifth place after day one. Um, I just had a rough day two. Uh, Mississippi River, I was low 20s. I finished 10th or 11th at Tacusa River. So, I mean, I was fairly consistent, like that kind of, you know, 10 to 20, 10 to 25 ranked angler throughout the year um, going into the Tournament of Champions. Um, but, I, you know, I – the focus that I was having was catching a limit each day and then building upon that. But, you know, I was able to succeed on that in, in most cases. Um, so, you know, that was, that was a, for me, that was a success story because that's not something that I was able to do in years prior on a national level. I mean, these, these folks that fish this national stage, you know, month in and month out, they're good. Like they're really good, you know. Jody Queens and Russ Snyder's and Drew Gregory's and you know, I mean, you could, the list goes on. Ron Champions and Eric Siddiqui's. Like these these folks are are solid, 
um, it's it's hard to you know compete with them and to be able to beat them in some cases or be right there with them. That was a you know that was a good thing for me. It it, it helped. Um, you know, it, I wish I'm, I'm not. I would never say that I didn't want to win Seminole, but I wish I wouldn't have peaked so early to give me kind yeah. of like some build up, some ramp up. Um, but I would never take that back. That was such a great feeling. Um, that 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 place was special. That has that place has some giants in it. Did you have you fished there before? Not until last year, no. No. Um, How was the pre-fishing for that one? Was, <laughs> going into that, were you the pre-fishing? You're like, yeah, I got this, or it was like nope. more like, good lord. <laughs> nope, completely opposite. Um, Isn't I, it always like that? <laughs> I think so, man. Like, so the thing with Seminole that time of year, the I mean, I think one day we had like 60 degrees, next day was 30, next day was 60, next day was 30. The weather patterns were all over the place. It was crazy. Like the weather patterns were all over the place. And then we had high waters up in the river. Um, you know, it was just, it was a, it was, I mean, it was a shit show. I mean, there were people that would go out and catch, you know, in a day of practice, they would catch like two or three 23 inch bass and they'd go out the next day and get skunked. And, and that, that was kind of the, the deal. Like that was, that was the way it was. Um, fortunately enough for Saturday and Sunday, we had gotten some two days of quality weather. Um, and and I actually went to a place sight unseen. I had not pre-fished there at all. Um, I think the entire week leading up to that tournament, I caught five fish total, and I was there Monday through Friday. <laughs> um, so I, I had I literally went into Saturday, and I'm like, if I don't if I don't catch a limit, I'm out. I'm going home. I'm not wasting any more time. But you know, I went out and ended that day in second place with like 92 inches, and I was like, well. I guess I got to stay, um, you know, and, and I think um, day two was a lot tougher. It was a lot tougher just because the the sun had gotten high and there was no wind. And uh, my fish that I had had, they moved into deeper water and I had to search for them. Um, but, you know, it took it took all day to get a limit on, on Sunday. Uh, my fifth fish didn't come until... 45 minutes left in the tournament and fortunately enough my fifth fish was a seven pound almost 22 inch bass that put me one inch in front of josh counts who was leading wire to wire um he came out on day one and put up like 105 inches or some crap like that um but he was basically in charge the entire time until 45 minutes left in day one where i was able to put that big one on the board and you know make that move so i couldn't do much that last 45 minutes like i i couldn't cast i mean that fish was seven pounds i was shaking i think i might have cried uh, <laughs> like it was you know it was i was a train wreck that last 45 minutes i'm glad i didn't have to upgrade anymore <laughs> so would once you caught that one did did you did you knew you have because i know sometimes you can check you know how the other one is doing and grant there's no guarantee but you, you thought okay i got this now you know, bearing anything bigger, he upgrades, which at that time would have been hard for him to upgrade. But would, would you felt like, yeah, I got this, or were you so, like, no, I don't know yet? You know, I was I was nowhere even close to comfortable. Um, I caught the fish. I was incredibly excited. Um, I uploaded the fish, and I, I I try to make a habit of not looking at the leaderboard until I get a limit. And up until that point in time in the day, I did not have a limit. So 
that was my limit fish. And when I caught it and uploaded it and saw that I was now one inch in front of Josh, um, he had like a 12 inch fish on the board. So he could have easily, you know, upgraded that 12 inch. Oh yeah. And and in no way, shape or form, I felt no way comfortable. Nothing was comfortable. Nothing was comfortable. Like, but I was just, I mean, I, you know, um, mentally I just, I, I, I kind of like checked out after I caught that fish. I'm like, holy shit, like this might be real. But then after that, like nerve sat in and I was a mess, dude. Like I was, I was messing. Like I think I, my next cast, I put a, you know, $15 chatterbait into the tree, like 10 foot up. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of ridiculous, man. Like I, I, I was, a, I was a train wreck, but um, fortunately enough, I was, I was able to hold it out and, you know, standing on that stage, even standing on that stage when they had just, when it came down to just me, Kurt Smith's and Josh counts, like I was standing there and I'm like, I don't know if I'm in third, second, I don't think I won, you know, like I, no, none of that. Like when you look at pictures, cause there were a couple of pictures taken of me, like I was standing there with my head down and not really looking around. Like I just kind of was unsure of what was going on. Um, that was a that was a nerve wracking feeling, dude. I bet, <laughs> especially being your first national tournament, right? That was well, your first it wasn't one. My first national tournament. Oh, okay. It was, first, it was the first time that I ever had a chance of winning one. You know. Okay. Um, first time really that I ever done well in one. Up until that point, I sucked, man. I did terrible. Um, but I also wasn't putting the time and effort into it in the previous ones that I did into this one. So, you know, it was fortunate enough that I paid off and kind of set the standard, <laughs> the standard of winning, which yeah. hard to, it's hard to recreate that in this. Yeah. So Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know, our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com That's crazy. What what uh, what bait wait for you? And I know it changes because of season, pre-spawn, you know, spawning and all that, and post-spawn. But overall, what what's your comfort bait or comfort technique? So I'm, I am 100% a power fisherman. Mm. Um, I do not like the finesse fish, but my, my most productive bait, and I'm actually going to be doing a YouTube video on this, um, here in the off season, but my most productive bait this year was, was a jackhammer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to really discuss <laughs> colors and things like that because it really depends on the fishery. But I I don't think that there is a time of year that I can't catch a fish on a jackhammer. It really depends on how you work it. Um, so it, it's been my most productive bait. Uh, second to that was probably a whopper plopper. I oh, I, I truly enjoy throwing a whopper plopper, um, the one ten and bigger. Um, and that's even for smallmouth. Like I'll throw a whopper plopper one thirty if I'm trying to catch a trophy smallmouth. Um, and then after that, it's a toss up between either the Kitech finesse jig, 
that mm. tungsten finesse jig. Really like that bait for a big TRD, and I'm very specific about how I how I throw you know those that bait. I I, I only throw it on an owner uh, finesse head, the okay. EWG finesse head. So so all my all my TRDs and even my regular Ned rigs, um, they'll they'll be thrown weedless all the time because. I just you get snagged less. Yeah, you know, um, and and I really like the owner sharp points on their hooks. Their their hooks are top notch. Yeah. So really, I really like you know those four baits have been my huge confidence baits this year, and and really what I've caught the most fish on. Um, Seminole. Nine of my ten fish were caught on a chatterbait. Uh, only one of those fish was caught on. A shaky head while I was actually trying not to catch fish. I was trying to preserve my spot, but I was sitting in my spot and I threw a shaky head out and was just sitting there and, and fish literally picked it up, swam out into current, came back into an area where there wasn't current and just wouldn't drop it. So I, I crossed his eyes and ended up being like 19 and three quarter inch fish. Oh, wow. So <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of fortunate enough to set the hook on that one, right? <laughs> Yeah, man, that's uh, that that's the cool story. <laughs> um, but man, I don't know. Seaman hit it out of the ballpark with the jackhammer. I remember when uh, Gene Jensen first came out with the video on YouTube. Because that's pretty much much like yourself. I'm not this grassrooted Southern guy that you know was born with you know with a rod in his hand and been you know, bass fishing or his life. Um, the sport obviously has evolved now where it's just not, it, it's not just a Southern thing, you know, it's, yeah. you know, you got everywhere from, you know, in Hobie BOS, you got uh, people from all different backgrounds just fishing uh, for that TLC. Um, and it speaks to how the sport is growing. But like most, like most of the people that are getting to a sport, and I think I've, I represent, not me represent, but I'm part of that group. I, it's the YouTube generation. Not that I'm a millennial because I'm much older than that, but that's how I learned fishing yeah. by going to YouTube and listen. That's the reason why I started the podcast. I was like, I need to get all these experts to come on, talk to the, talk to me about fishing. Right. That was my main motivation to start a podcast. Actually, just to be able to talk to you and some of the greats out there. It's like, maybe if I get to sit with them on the mic and talk to them, I'll learn a whole much more. I don't care if anybody else, not that I don't care. I always like to give good substance to my listeners, but I'm going on a tangent here and I'm getting off topic. <laughs> the point is, um, when I saw the, the, you know, uh, Fluke Master, um, bring that video, on Jackhammer, I'm like, yeah, it's just a chatterbait. I'm like, whatever, $15, no thank you. Then I finally came in because everybody was talking about it, and it's hard for me to put it down. Yeah. Like, so, it's it's amazing. So back in the day, the old you, you heard of the old school Wiggle Wars, right? Yep. You know, the original Wiggle Wars. None of them ran the same. Yep. They all did different shit. Like they, they just, they weren't like, you know, they weren't built to the same standard. They weren't all built to the same standard, but when you got a good one, when you got a good wiggle wart, nothing and nothing, I mean, nothing could beat it. And still to this day, if you can find a good original wiggle wart, nothing can beat it. That's the jackhammer. The jackhammer yeah. right now is 
the wiggle wart of then. Um, you know, Z-Man with their with their patented head design and, and their blade design and all that, like they have done something where they have made even mediocre fishermen great. Yeah. Uh, because right here. <laughs> right here. I don't, and I don't that's the boys from mediocre fishermen right here, man. <laughs> that's not intended to be an insult at all. No, it is true for me. It's just I feel like anybody can catch them on a jackhammer. I really do. Yes. Anybody can catch them on a jackhammer because I don't know what it is, but the fish just want to eat it. Whether it's the sound, the vibration, the action, they just want to eat it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be doing it, like I said, I'm going to be doing a video on it and, and really talking about in depth about how I like it for each, you know, different scenario and stuff like that um, and how I use it. And, and even some of the variations. Like there's some variations of that chatterbait that now the lesser expensive versions – that are that are really effective, um, and you know, I try especially like if I'm pre-fishing an event, I won't throw a jackhammer until tournament day, because I don't want to I don't want to teach him. You know, I'll, I'll throw a, a chatterbait elite or something else, and you know, just to try to locate the fish, and then on tournament day, I go to that jackhammer man, and and they don't they don't like they just want to eat it. Like it's it's a great bait. Um, Amazing. And you know when you when you add in your own part to it as well, like you know everyone anyone can cast it out and just reel it in, but when you add in certain things to it, that makes that bait stand out incredibly. Um, you know, you know, there's there's two baits that I will always 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 have tied on when I go fishing. One's a jackhammer. And one is a wacky rig senko. Yeah, I thought you hated finesse fishing. Wacky rig senko is not a finesse fishing man. <laughs> it's not. You're looking, at You're looking at me like I'm batshit crazy. I don't. I don't fish a wacky rig like a like a finesse type of deal. Um, I'm I I get I get aggressive with it. Um, you like rage cast it and just rage. <laughs> what do you mean? So I, is I it weightless? I mean, yeah, most of the time, yeah. How is it not finessed then? Because I, I don't know, just the way I fish it. How do you fish it that's not finessed? Are you are you trying to convince yourself that you're not a finesse fisherman? Basically, yeah. Your, your ego, your manly ego. I, no, I have, this is not finesse fishing. I have to train myself that it that it doesn't start with an F. It's not it's not finesse fishing. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like I I just for me, I I I work. I even a wacky rig single. I will work it aggressively. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, aggressive rod pops and, and I make a lot of casts. Um, you know, I, I don't like I, one, when I, when I think of finesse fishing, I'm thinking of like drop shotting and hair jigging and, and stuff like that. Uh, dude, I hate that stuff. Like, I know that I can go out and catch fish on a drop shot, but I will not throw it. Like I, I maybe, Maybe if I absolutely if thirty thousand dollars was on the line, yeah, I'll go throw it. But I hate it, dude. Like that to me, that's finesse fishing. When I'm skipping a wacky rig under docks and and working, you know, different types of structure and stuff like that, that's to me that's not finesse fishing because I'm doing it quick. Like it's you know it's it's in there and if I'm not getting bit after it gets down, I'm out. You know, and I'm on to the next target. Like I. So the, yeah, in a way, it's like. 
I don't know. It's to me, it's like power finesse fishing. How about that? We'll go with. <laughs> we'll, we'll compromise here. Yeah. Um, I, I really think, I really think to fish in a tournament, and I'm being naive here. Um, and I mean, not not to disrespect, um, professional anglers like yourself and Russ Knight and all all of them out there, but I really think a Senko and a jackhammer it's all you need <laughs> pretty much yeah. i mean that that's that's power fishing and power finesse fishing which is what the new term now that's <laughs> both sides of the spectrum that's right it, it's like there's not you don't need anything else that's the only two baits you need even on the elite series is right now whether it's mlf or the elite series or flw or whatever and anywhere even in the kayak industry i would love to see a graphic made or a graph made showing what people who cashed checks were primarily throwing. Because I'm telling you, I will say it without even seeing the numbers, 100% positive that a jackhammer and a Senko are oh, going yeah. to be in the top three. Top two, probably. Yeah, more Maybe like, a Thunder Cricket, because I know Thunder Cricket's another um, favorite um, – but mm. yeah, I'm I'm not a fan. I've you know what I've never tried them. Every time they right now what they do is like in some other places they just have him locked. It's like do you have uh you know thunder cricket? Yeah, but they don't have it on display because people steal them. I was like okay, uh, but I've never because never I never see them on display, so I, I I haven't. I've heard a lot of great things about it, um, but I've I haven't had, tried it. They they do have a good action. I've thrown them, um, but I've had too many of them fail. I've had snaps fail. I've had head, heads come loose from the blades. Um, I've oh, bent hooks yeah. out. Um, you know, I, I you know, I, I just I don't have as much confidence in a thunder cricket as I do a jackhammer. Um, and and I think one of the reasons why I think I've had failures with it is because of that rotating head design. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's just not the right bait for me. I mean, I, I don't. If I have a jackhammer, I'm going to throw it before I have before I throw a, a thunder cricket. Um, you know, Z-Man ha- has no reason has given me no reason to switch. No, <laughs> so. I tried um, other similars that like generic brand like Bass Pro has one. I figured, okay, it's only five bucks. If it'll catch me, if it's a successful as a jackhammer, you know, because nobody wants to spend fifteen, sixteen dollars. Okay. On, on a bait that you brought, I, well, I'm, if you go to in my Instagram stories, <laughs> it's funny, I lost one, I got snagged, I lost it, tied on another jackhammer, threw it kind of same direction, because I had just lost a big fish there on a jackhammer, um, and I snagged the one that I lost, <laughs> so I got him back, <laughs> and it was like the happiest day of my life, yeah, I got my jackhammer back, <laughs> um, <laughs> see, I get, um, I get a little ridiculous with with my jackhammers. Like I, I will replace them quite often because I realize that sometimes those fish are not in, are in e- they're not in easy places to catch. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect yeah. case point was Seminole. I was skipping a jackhammer like way up under tree roots. You're a brave man. Um, like it was it was wild. Like I only lost two jackhammers in those in that in those two days of fishing but i was skipping them into places that you would never 
throw a $15 bait. Um, but you know, you got to do it if you want to, I mean, when there's money yeah. on the line, uh, I'm willing to take those chances. But like I said, in pre-fishing, I'm not skipping a $15 bait underneath those same areas. I'm skipping a, a, an $8 bait in those areas. Um, you mentioned about Bass Pro's version of the, of the chatterbait. That's actually made by Z-Man. Really? Yeah. Well, it's the one with the wobble head, the big, I wish I had my tackle up here. Um, it's like a like the the hook is loose, so I don't know if that's oh 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 okay I know which one you're talking about but but Bass so Bass Pro has a version of the chatterbait that's made by Z-Man. A lot of Bass a lot of Bass Pro branded stuff mm. is made Rebrand. by the same companies. Like they're excuse me, have you seen their 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 line that's their fluorocarbon? It's in like a red box. Yeah, that's made by Seaguar. Oh really? Yeah, and and oh, all their casting reels are made by Luz. That's why I hate them. <laughs> Me too. Um, I can't stand and, Luz. And then all of their uh, all of their spinning reels. Actually, just this past year, they just switched over. All of their spinning reels are now made by Daiwa. Oh, okay. And their spinning reels have greatly improved since they switched over to Daiwa. Their previous spinning reel models were trash. And I don't know yeah. who made them, but I yeah. know now that I had Daiwa, a couple of those. Yeah, now that Daiwa has started making their spinning reels, they've greatly improved. Um, but a lot of their stuff is made by outside companies. I think their crankbaits are made by, I think they're made by Strike King. They're they're hard baits. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the thing is, you're not getting the same quality. You're getting a lesser quality because the company is making it for them at a lesser price. They're using. Yeah. Not the same Cheaper components, yeah. Right. So that's all it really is. Um, but, you know, I, I actually had, for a while before I lost it, one of my most, like, successful baits was a was a Bass Pro Square Bill that just would catch fish when other others wouldn't. And then I lost it, and I, I think I cried a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you got if you're going to buy any Bass Pro baits and stuff like that, just make sure you switch out the components. Yeah. Switch out the split rings, switch out the hooks, um, and just know that if you, you know, if you set the hook on on a big fish and and it pops off and that bait comes flying back, it's probably going to crack. Especially yeah. their hard baits. I've I've cracked a lot of their hard baits like literally in half. I I had a a jerk bait last year that literally broke in half whenever I snapped it back and it hit the side of my kayak. Yeah. <laughs> it cracked in half. So, but what, you know. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Let me ask you this: What trailer do you prefer on your jackhammers? It's hard. Once you get me talking about jackhammers, you're not gonna get me to stop. So, that's fine. <laughs> uh, so it's a uh, man. It's it's primarily what I what I've began using the most is the the razor shads made by Z-Man, just because of how long they last. Um, yeah. When you put that Z-Man razor shad on there, like they'll stay on there forever. It seems like. Um, but you know, I also like the Yamamoto, uh, Zekos. 
they're made for that bait. Um, I do not put a boot tail swim bait on on a jackhammer. I won't do it. Um, Why not? I, uh, I think I think the boot tail takes away from the action and the blade. That's so, interesting. So whenever that boot tail's back there kicking, it takes away from that that bladed action. I personally think that I do not catch as many fish with a boot tail swim bait, so I just stop using it. Now, if <clears throat> if I'm imitating bait fish, I'll either use a razor shad or a zaco. But if I'm imitating a crawfish, then I'll put on uh, a Z-Man. Um, I think it's like the Craw Z or something like that. Um, either that or a Zoom Speed Craw. Oh yeah, that's a good one. And, I and, I almost died. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You were going to say something else. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, th- those those combinations are really all that I use. I mean, I, I don't have – I mean, I, I really am only trying to imitate two different things. I'm either trying to imitate a bait fish or a crawfish, and, you know, I'll match the trailers up to the color of the, of the bait. And um, I, do, I do have a couple jackhammers, and I'm not going to talk about their color scheme, but I have had a couple skirts that I've put on – aftermarket skirts put on jackhammers – that are very effective, but we don't, we're not going to talk about that. We, we, right. Yeah, we can't. No, we don't. We can't. <laughs> I respect that. There's one I, I, I died a little bit inside when you said Seiko's because I just, I bought the Seiko's the other, about a couple of months ago. And I tried it on the jackhammer, and it totally ruined it. I can't stand those things, man. They, they, that's the little, like, the riveted... Um, Tail on it. Yeah. I can't. I I can't catch it. When I put today, I'll give you an example. Today, I I tried it because I bought it. I'm like, I want to try it, and I've heard they're for jackhammers that work great. So I tried it. First thing I noticed is like this tail does not have any movement at all. Like very little. Like I put it on clear water, it's like it's just vibrating a little bit, which is not, which shouldn't be a big deal because when you see fish, you don't see fish wobbling around. Like you would mention the book, do you see them like very tight uh, tail movement? But I've tried it, I've tried it, and even today I was like, screw it, I'm done with the Seikos. I don't care how much it costs, I'm done, I'm not using them. So I turned on a bootleg um, rage, uh, rage tail, striking rage tail, first cast, boom. I'm like, I knew it, I knew it was because I was struggling so much with that Seiko, with that chatterbait once I switch to the Seiko and the the very next cast that I take the Seiko out and put that uh, rage tail um, it, immediately first boom first one I'm like see it's got to be the Seiko so and I I don't know what it is maybe I'm doing it wrong but it's just I can't once I put that Seiko on I just can't catch it maybe because it's Texas the ones that really, the one that really stands out to me is the Rage Tail Menace. I have a video that I'm going to post on my story. It's only like a three-second video, but I have it on very clear water. And that erratic motion from that jackhammer, I mean, if you look at the, that, uh, the Rage Menace, those fins are kicking madly. And yeah. I've tried it. I went last week. Uh, I'm not going to say the spot because whoever told me the spot, you know, told me not to say it. So I'm not going to say it. But as soon as I started throwing the jackhammer, that's one thing. When you start throwing the jackhammer, I feel like it's counterproductive in the sense that 
now this is so easy that I'm forgetting how to fish with a jig or a Texas rig or a crankbait or a big swim bait. And I want to be that all around fisherman, you know? So I, I don't want to cheat myself of growing because I'm throwing a bait that fish can't resist. So after a while, I was like, okay, I, I need to get a fish on the board. This has gone far enough. I tried this. I tried that. Let me, and that jackhammer, I put on that rage tail, um, rage menace, that thing, man, it's just, it's something about that tail movement that they cannot resist pouncing on it. Yeah. In my, so, in my experience, obviously. When, when you put it on, are you putting it on where the tail's flat and the hook comes up like this? Or are you putting it on where the tail's vertical and the hook comes no. up? I started doing the vertical thing. I saw it on Alex Rod's um, last year, I think it was, um, one of his YouTube channel. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. It makes sense because it looks like a tail. And I got a couple of bites. But one day I decided, no, you know what? I'm going to switch it up again. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I saw finally put it on clear water. I started trolling it, not to catch fish. But as soon as I switched, like I said, as soon as I switched to that, to that uh, trailer, I caught like in an hour. I caught, I caught four fish, but it was uh, one of them was on a uh, on a on a senko on the weightless senko. But the first three was nineteen and a half, nineteen and eighteen, and that came in about forty five minutes from the right. first one to the third one, and it was right after I put that race tail. So the water was real clear. So I was like, I'm gonna troll the bait next to me and I want to see the action and I got it on video and just, I can see why, man, that tail is just, it's just flopping so erratically yeah. that I think it really triggers those fish just because of the movement. But no, I don't put it vertical anymore. I put it flat, you know, like the, the only time I'll use one of those rage menaces is when I'm trying to imitate a bluegill. And I, and since it has the, since bluegills are kind of like different body shape or a yeah. crap, if I'm trying to, if I'm on a fishery where I know they're eating bluegill or crappy or panfish, then I'll use those only to imitate, and I'll put them vertical so the tail, so it gives it a bigger profile. Um, you know, I I don't know. I mean, everyone has their different thing. I I personally don't catch nearly as many fish on a boot tail as I do on this straight tail. Um, I think that the action uh, created by the jackhammer is 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 enough to entice that strike. And I think if I'm going to use a boot tail, I'd rather just throw a swim bait. Cause I think if they're eating a boot tail swim bait on the back of a jackhammer, they're probably going to eat a boot tail swim bait. Yeah, that's true. And not, not so much a jackhammer. So if I can get away with not throwing a jackhammer and risking losing a $15 bait and only, oh, yeah. you know, a $5 bag of boot tail swim baits with some swim bait hooks, then I'll do that before, I put a boot tail swim bait on the back of the jackhammer. But so um, the uh, what's the name of the guys? Um, Tactical bassing. Yeah, great they group of guys. You're going to use a boot tail swim bait on the back of a jackhammer, rig it upside down so the tail is straight up instead of down. And they say that that actually is is really effective. I I don't do that. But that's one way they say that they were, they'll rig a boot tail on the back of a jackhammer like that. That's interesting because I saw, um, I bought recently a package of, um, of, uh, rage tail, the bootleg ones. The, mm -hmm. Those are just the rage tail, right? The other one is rage menace and the bootleg is just rage tail, right? Am I correct? 
Uh, I thought the Rage Menaces were like the Craw style. Yeah, like the little two fins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I normally keep those. I don't separate those either. I normally keep them together. Oh, really? Yeah. Don't they come separate already? I thought mm -hmm. they did. No, no, you got to normally got to pull them apart. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, so the bootleg ones. So I, um, I noticed that there was like, huh, that pattern is upside down. Like I thought it was just because of the way it chat is, you know, usually you have that, uh, silver or gray blackish line through the top with the, with the, they sprinkle it a little bit and then the bottom is white, just like a shad is. Mm -hmm. But when I put it on, I'm like, oh, that's weird. The pattern is on the bottom instead of on the top. So I'm wondering if, I don't know, if that was an idea. I'm like, could be. I, they could have just messed up the. <laughs> yeah, I thought it's like, like, I think they messed it up. Because I was, once I put it on, I'm like, huh, did I put it on right? And I'm like, no, I put it, I put it like it's supposed to be. It's just that it has that pattern on the bottom instead of the top, which yeah. is what the natural color of a chad would be on, you know, that color on the top and white on the bottom. But. I, I also I go ahead. I'm sorry. I encourage you to give those Zakos another try, though. I still have them. I just I just got tired of. It. I kept throwing them and throwing them and throwing them, and I was like, all of a sudden, my jackhammer uh, bite went off, and I was like, I don't know. Maybe it's just Texas bass. But yeah, man, I caught like before I let you go. I know, like I said, you get me talking about jackhammers. Um, my biggest bass all came on jackhammers. Twenty two and a quarter this year. Um, a twenty and a half and a few 19s and a couple of 18s, all jackhammers, all of them. It's, it's just crazy. My big fish this year, um, my my three biggest fish are all different baits, actually. I caught uh, that seven-pounder down in Seminole on a jackhammer. I caught a seven-pounder here in Pennsylvania on a square bill. Um, and then I caught a giant, a giant smallmouth. Um, it was probably five and a half, maybe even closer to six pounds. I don't think it was six. Yeah. It, it was, it was every bit of five pounds, but that fish was caught on a whopper flopper 130 in less than a foot of water. <laughs> That's so, what it, that must've been an exciting bite. Oh, it was. That was, <laughs> that was like a $600 fish too. It won me big bass in, in the KBF event they had here on the there show. You go. So, but yeah, that, it, it was, you know, those are, I think those are my three biggest fish this year. Nice. Well, Jake, I've had you for more than an hour. Now you know you're in the Eastern time, so it's getting a little late for you. I don't want to keep you up. I'm super um, grateful for you coming on the show. Um, this has been every bit as enjoyable as I, I expected it to be. So I really thank you. It's been an honor to have you on my show. So I'm going to let you go, but before we do that, if I want to take you, I want you to take the opportunity to thank any sponsors, anybody else that you want to thank, um, that makes your fishing easier. So, um, first and foremost, I appreciate you offering me to come on and, uh, thank hopefully I'll give you another reason to have me back next year. Heck yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh and second to that, uh, so my sponsors, a, a huge thank you to Torquedo. Um, they're my primary, primary sponsor this year. Um, and also innovative sportsman who makes Torquedo motor accessories. Uh, Trey Leach is, is he's kind of like my guy that does all my kayak modifications. Um, and then I have uh, temple fork outfitters rods, which I absolutely love those. 
Uh, Brian Swingle, who owns Five Mountain Outfitters, a local shop here, he's been instrumental in my in my help or in my in my success this year. Um, and not really a sponsor, but uh, Jamie Coza, who owns Dugout Bait and Tackle, has been amazing uh, as far as you know getting me the things that I need and, and you know providing me what I need to succeed this year. Uh, those folks have been instrumental in my success. Um, you know, that's, that's basically it. I don't have a whole long list of sponsors. I, I, you know, I kind of, sure they're coming. They'll be knocking on the door soon, right? Oh, uh, maybe if, <laughs> if, if Zima is interested, I'm, I'm all for it. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> I love to be a Z-Man sponsor, man. Yeah. I was on my kidney. <laughs> I'll give both kidneys. I don't need them. <laughs> But definitely, that would save me a whole lot of money. You ain't kidding. <laughs> Jake, well, thank you again so much, man. I appreciate it. Uh, for those out there listening, I know you're tired of me hearing this, but be safe out there. It's winter. If it's not, it's coming. So please wear your PFDs. Please yeah. make sure you not take the that. Go ahead. If I can add to that. Yes. If you are in a cold weather environment and the water temperature is below 50 degrees, wear a wear a second layer of defense and and what i'm talking about is a dry suit yep i don't care if you're wearing a pfd if you fall into 50 degree water and the air temperature is anything below 60 you don't have much time before you're going to die no (laughs) i was just about to say the 120 rule so yes yep so so there you have it you heard it from the experts so it's not just me telling you follow jake's advice yeah, man. And, uh, be safe. There's not a time right now, this time of year, November, that you will catch me not wearing a dry suit. So, there but, you go. Thanks for having me on, bud. I appreciate it. It's been fun. It's been fun, man. So, thanks again. If you made it this far, uh, thank you for sticking around. Hope you enjoyed it. And thanks again to Douglas Rods for sponsoring our show, DouglasOutdoors.com. Go check them out. Thank you. Have a good day. Peace out. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures located in Northern Illinois for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to Jigmasters Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs. I'm Will Cooper, host of Hunt Stand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from Hunt Stand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.